In this episode of Talking Law, we look at the concept of implementing a board into the management of your business. So if you are a growing or mature business and you haven't yet got a board on board, this one's for you. You're listening to Talking Law, the podcast where business owners just like you discover how to avoid legal landmines and build value using smart legal tips. Join your host, Joanna Oki, as she cuts through the legal jargon and gives you clear and simple actionable legal strategies, which will get you optimal business results. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to Talking Law, proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we are talking about when you should start thinking about implementing a board into the management of your business. And to talk about this topic, we have on board Michael McGrath from Oasis M&A. Now, Michael has a wealth of experience in this area, coming from years of running and exiting his own business and then later in assisting other businesses business owners to do the same thing. And recently I was lucky enough to welcome Michael onto our sister podcast, The Deal Room, where I chatted to him about his own experience with growing and then selling businesses. And we discussed how a non-traditional valuation model helped Oasis to secure a sale for one of their clients for 28 times EBIT. Yes, that's right, 28 times. Now you can hear all about that story and more in episode 78 and 79 of The Deal Room podcast. To find that, just check out your favourite podcast player or go to www.thedealroompodcast.com. But in this episode of Talking Law, I continue my discussion with Michael, taking a closer look at the role of timing in a business sale transaction and the importance or potential value of considering establishing a management board within your business. Things off, I asked Michael whether there is ever a right time to sell a business. By that, I meant are there pointers in the life cycle of a business that make a particular time better to exit than another? Right, so with the owners, the asset itself and its performance and the market. So I think when you're selling a property, you've probably got a better chance of trying to time the market. I think when you're selling a business, because of the, the, the nature of the marketplace, that one minute someone's buying and they're strategic and another minute they bought something and now they're not, and that market could have changed irrevocably because of that, or certainly in the medium term. I think it's more difficult to time. I think you've got to get back to the vendors. What do they want to do? And what's their plan B? I mean, what do you do? They own a bunch of shares in a company, really. I mean, they own shares in a business. And that's an asset class. They also happen often to be running the business themselves. So their owners and their managers. And, you know, old father time catches up with all of us. So, you know, those who are beyond the age of 50 are probably starting to think, okay, I don't want to be doing this forever. There are exceptions to that. But I mean, you know, we, we start to be think those thoughts. And I think for me, it's a case of, okay, are we running the business well? Are we, if you look at a business, there are two drivers. One is you're looking to create value. And secondly, you're looking to manage risk. So the management of risk and the creation of value are intention, right? And as you get through the business cycle and you start getting older, you're looking to manage risk perhaps a bit more than you might want to be creating value. In your 20s and 30s, you're prepared to take risks. In in your 50s and 60s, you're at a different stage. So the management of risk and the creation of value need to be held in tension 
And that tension needs to be proportionate and appropriate to where the owners are in their own sort of journey. And selling the business, you know, for a big lump of cash is great. And that's a happy ending for everyone. But if that's not possible or not possible in the time frame that the owners have determined, then you've got to start to look at alternatives. And for me, that's about getting creative around putting the business under management or moving back to part-time, perhaps creating a board. So it's not either or. You're not saying either I'm going to sell it or either I'm going to start to think about running the business differently without me front and center. You need to be doing both those. And the reality is that if you do that second bit well, you start to become more attractive to the market. Maybe it's you've got to revisit the market periodically to see what's going on because things change. Three, four months, things could have changed. We often go and speak to acquirers and say, I'm not acquiring at the moment, but speak to me again in June or speak to me again in January. Well, that could be a different, you know, that could be a different conversation then. But the owner has to do something about his lifestyle. We've helped owners create a board. You know, we've got one owner who doesn't work in the business anymore. He's the executive chair, comes to a board meeting once a month. That business is now more valuable than it was when we got involved six years ago. Will he sell? I don't know. But could he sell? Increasingly so, right? Well, he's pretty happy. He's got a CEO. The business is growing. The risks are being managed properly. And I think we're creating some value. So that's been a good alternative to him than trying to sell a business at the wrong stage in its cycle or selling for a price that doesn't seem to be very attractive. That's a really great point. And earlier you talked to us about having option B and, and now you're obviously expanding on what option B sounds like. But I think that's a really important, I mean, in many instances, I've seen businesses use option B as building that management team or building the board or finding ways to get themselves out of the business as a strategic way to get ready for sale, um, to make it a more saleable business. But certainly it makes it a better business to be in. So, I mean, does this play out very often? You're having people coming in looking to sell. You say, okay, well, you know, market isn't really where maybe you want it to be at the moment. Could look better in 12 months time if we make these changes. And they've changed the business to such an extent that they're actually really happy with it. It's changed their approach to the business moving forward. Yes. Look, I think owners generally are looking for good input. So, you know, when I look at CEOs and MDs, it's not easy to get good strategic input around these matters. It's hard to talk about succession with your management. So there's a vacuum really around, okay, where do I get that input? I think generally owners are not sure what they want to do. There are a variety of options. And I think having an advisor, having somebody alongside them that can Help them kick that around that's got some grey hairs can be very useful. I've just been hired recently and joined a board. In fact, we're creating a board. There there was no board. But the brief there is really maybe we'll sell or maybe we'll acquire some business or maybe we'll do both. So it's, it's very rarely black and white. But having some governance, having even a small board of two to start with, there's a monthly, you know, all successful businesses around the world have board meetings. But small private businesses think it doesn't apply to them. My experience is in 1988, when we raised that money from Russell Smith, we had to start having board meetings. It was in the chair purchase agreement. So I started having board meetings, I had to report. It was the best thing I ever did because I had to account I had to think about the future. I had to measure against the future. And, you know, Russell sharpened me up. And then since then, I've always had non-execs around who can give, who are not in the day-to-day. 
they're not in the we, and they're getting a fresh perspective and they're conscious of the risks, the need to create value, but they're also conscious of the risks. And they're good strategic input on holding those two things in balance. I think very few businesses are too small for that exercise. Very few. And stepping through it, how do you recommend that businesses go about putting in place a board for the very first time when they've not done this before? Obviously, they have to get their head into a different kind of space. They're now reporting <laughs> to uh, to people which are probably aren't used to, you know, having done in the past. So what's the method that you use to work people through this process? Look, I think if any business has had strategic intent, any business that is looking to professionalize and get better and improve, right, needs to bring into its management thinking some IQ, right? So you, you need to up the game. The most cost-effective way I think you can do that is if you get the right non-exec, he knows what he's doing is, and you connect with them at some kind of level and they know the road ahead, right? Then I think, you know, for the cost of four or five grand a month, you get yourself a half a million dollars worth of management horsepower for what? Less than 50 grand, say, right? Now, you're not buying the guy's time. You're buying his brains and his experience. And, and that can be fused across the business. Very, very useful. Allowing someone into your world and opening yourself up and recognizing the difference between management and ownership. There are two hats that owners need to wear, ownership and management. And starting to look at your business as an asset rather than some kind of job. That's really what creating a board is a statement of intent around that. It's saying we're serious about getting professional and we're serious about the future. Absolutely. And what are examples that you've seen of where the board thinking approach has been able to produce something deeper and more valuable than the owner themselves sitting with themselves in a notepad? Yeah. Well, look, I'll give you an example. So I was on the board for about eight years. We eventually sold the business to a large ASX 50 company, but I was on that board for seven or eight years now. And it was very small at the beginning. And then we eventually built the business to 30 million. I think when I got involved, it was doing a million bucks a year. Eventually we got to 30 million and we were making some good money. And then we we rode into that mining correction around 2011, 12. I don't know if you remember, but there was a big correction in mining. My client was overexposed to mining. We, meaning me, <laughs> having been through that recession, you know, a number of recessions, but certainly that 1990 recession and having to do some right-sizing, I immediately instinctively knew we needed to take some costs out of that business rapidly before we were actually hit with the declines because we had some contracts and they were going to take a while to... And we ripped a half a million dollars out of that business. Now, you would have thought that I was, you know, looking to steal the owner's kids, right? When I made the suggestion we need to cut costs by half a million. We did that and the business dodged a big bullet. It fall and those margins fell. And the first rule of the game is to stay in the game. That was extremely valuable. I think our client would have woken up to that at least a year too late. I think if you've got someone around who's got some experience and can help you avoid the landmines, then you've perhaps got someone worth meeting every month. That's one example. The many others. And my point is this. The reason I like the non-exec input is because your business is changing, the market's changing. It's not a project. The only thing I know is that you're going to have problems. The problems will change but ostensibly, businesses, are the bigger the problems you can solve, the bigger your business is going to get, really. You need to build a team out, I think, that says, okay, who's on my team? Who do I turn to? Who am I getting input from? Who's challenging my assertion? In a good way, right? It's, you've got to be constructive and positive. Now, I think great bang for buck. My business education has come from non-execs, basically. I got into 
my companies and sat and listened to. And, you know, over time, it's been invaluable. It's been worth the admission fees. Yeah. Okay. Look, Mike, I just want to say a really big thank you for coming in today to talk to us about this area. I think a lot of our listeners out there in business at the moment, I see them, I see them doing it tough on their own with advisors in, but I think the idea of that continuity and that integration of of non-execs, you know, a board that, you know, our owners then have to report to and then draw on the experiences of is just such an important point for, you know, our listeners to really seriously contemplate. So if our listeners want to make contact with you to talk about your ideas in this area, what's the best way that they can make contact? Yeah, look, I mean, we have a website at www.oasisma.com com.au or you can email me on michael at oasisma.com.au yeah we'd be more than happy to put that through with people and we'll be very candid about the appropriateness of that sort of service depending on where the business was at and what it was trying to achieve really yeah and is there just so people can sort of you know maybe rule themselves in or out of where they are at this point in time is there a particular size of business not really no i think if you've got strategic intent and you think, you know, you, you've got something to say in your marketplace and you want to grow and expand, then I think, you know, build, starting to build that team makes complete sense. And as, as I mentioned before, you know, we had a client that I got involved with when it was just doing a million bucks and that business grew to $30 million in about four or five years. Wow. And included a couple of acquisitions. And so they have strategic intent and they were they were pretty moved things forward and made sense to them to get some, begin to professionalize. Yeah, fabulous. Okay, look, Michael, thank you so much for coming on board. And for anyone out there who's listening to this and didn't get the chance to note down the website and Michael's details, we'll link through to it all in our show notes. Well, that concludes the final part of our interview with Michael McGrath from Oasis M&A. Today, we spoke about the difficulty of trying to perfectly time the sale of a business, as well as the potential benefits that can be derived from establishing a board within your business. We drilled into how the creation of a formal board can become a game changer for managing or even selling a business. And finally, we tapped into the importance of drawing on the experience of those around you to learn from their triumphs as well as their mistakes. If you'd like more information about this topic, then head over to our website at talkinglaw.com.au. There you'll get a link straight through to Michael McGrath of Oasis M&A, and you'll also there be able to find details of how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal if you'd like help with any of the items we covered today. And finally, if you enjoy what you heard, please pop over to Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast player and leave us a review. And if you haven't subscribed, then make sure you hit subscribe as well. And if you're interested in the other episodes where I have spoken to Michael McGrath on our sister podcast, go and have a look for The Deal Room Podcast and look for the episodes where I spoke to Michael, episodes 78 and 79. Well, that's it. Thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and Talking Law. See you next time. Are you looking for a top quality legal team to assist you in your organisation? Aspect Legal is an innovative commercial legal practice that specialises in providing fast and professional services for their clients. If you'd like to chat about how we might be able to assist you, simply head over to our website at Aspect 
legal.com.au to book in a time for a free discussion with one of our lawyers. Thanks for listening to Talking Law. Tune in next time for more smart legal tips and tricks to keep you clear of those legal landmines. If you want to get a download of today's show notes, head over to talkinglaw.com.au. Information in this podcast is general in nature, not legal advice. If you want advice for your business, visit talkinglaw.com.au. Thank you.